All right, all right. That's my Matthew McConaughey for the day. Lior's number anytime outside of show hours, uh, literally 416-216-5900, and it's Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We always start the show with uh, the week that was, right? How was it? That's right, John. Thank you, and welcome, everyone, all our listeners. Uh, happy to be here again and uh, answer all your questions about employment law, workplace rights, uh, whether you're an employer or employee. So, as always, I like to start with a couple of situations, a couple of matters that I dealt with this week so that people can learn some of the important lessons from, uh, from these situations. Uh, in the first matter, I met with an individual whose uh, business had been sold. Now, we've talked a lot about these situations before. So you're working for a business, uh, then the business gets sold, and then the questions arise. Uh, do you get severance? What happens if you're offered a job by the buyer? Well, this gentleman was, in fact, offered a job by the buyer. And on the face of it, the job that he was offered appeared to be relatively similar to what he had before. Okay. It was around the same compensation, same job duties. But it contained some terms that were very, very different. For example, the offer that he got from the buyer said, well, we have the ability to change uh, change your job duties, change your compensation, and and relocate you. So this could have resulted, he could have found himself being relocated miles away, demoted, and his salary increased. Exactly. The offer also allowed that employer to terminate him with almost no severance. Now, because of because of the fact that these terms were very different than the terms that he had that he has presently with his employer, in my view, this created a situation that he did not have, in fact, to accept the oblig uh, the, the offer. He didn't have the obligation to accept the offer because it was so different. So, what does that mean? It means that his employment with his current employer is going to come to an end because the company is selling the business. Yeah. Uh, he is not going to accept the job with the buyer because the terms of the offer were so unreasonable. So the net result of that is that his current employer, the one that's terminating his employment, owes him severance. Bingo. And for him, at his compensation level, we're talking over $200,000, a lot of money. Wow. So the lesson here is that when a business is sold, if you are not presented with a reasonable offer by the buyer, your current employer owes you severance. So if you're in that position, you've been offered a job by, a, by the company buying your business, you don't know what to make of it, give me a call. I can help you and, and walk you through that situation. What is a reasonable offer in that case where you'd say, you know what, that's pretty close to what you had. I would take it. You know, it, it is, does depend on the job yeah. itself. Usually, first of all, we're looking at things such as compensation and job duties and, and, and work location. I mean, th- those are easiest to see. But we do delve beyond that like we did in this situation. You know, we want to see, can, is this the same? So right now you're working in position S. Let's, X. Let's say you're, you're a, a salesman. But if tomorrow the job that you're going to accept can result in you being the janitor, well, it's not the same job. You, the employer shouldn't have the ability to make that change. And in this situation, the employer had that ability. And why should someone accept a job where they can just be demoted willy-nilly like that without any warning or without any compensation? And I guess one of the big ones is the fact that they, they threw in there that they could let him go with almost no severance. Exactly. So, they, so right? they can hire him, f- fire him the next day, and then guess what? He would have walked away from the $200,000 severance. <laughs> Nonsense. And of course, yeah. not something that the law would say, well, too bad you have to do. All right. Well, let me tell you about the second situation. This involved another gentleman that called me. He had been on disability leave because of a serious medical condition for the past year. Now, all of a sudden, he received a letter from his employer saying, we have decided you've abandoned your employment because in our view, you're no longer on an authorized leave. You're now on an unauthorized leave. So you're not an employee and we don't have to pay you anything. Well, what happened here? What happened here is the fact that the disability insurer, the the insurer that was paying him disability benefits, had decided to cut him off. That insurance company felt that he no longer qualified for disability benefits. The employer heard about that, the employer, and said, aha, 
the insurance company is saying you don't qualify, that means that you're not disabled. And if you're not disabled, you're not authorized to be at home. So you've abandoned your job. What, what this employer then did really was completely wrong. The issue between the individual and the insurance company has nothing to do with the employer. The employer cannot rely on the insurance company and what the insurance company is doing. If the employer felt that there's a question as to whether this person really was disabled, they were required to ask him for medical information and confirm with his doctor whether this person really is able to work. They can't say, well, the insurance company is telling us you're not disabled, so that's that. Insurance companies get this wrong all the time. In fact, a lot of what we do at my firm is deal with insurance companies who cut off people off long-term disability. So an employer has to get their own medical information. They have to get their facts right. If your employer then is giving you a hard time while you're on disability, you're going to give me a call and I can help you with it. The other thing, if you have been cut off your long-term disability benefits by the insurance company, give me a call as well. My partner, Sivan, who's been with us the last yep. couple of weeks, He'll he does with us all the time. He can help you. It's really straightforward. I bet you that's a very common thing with, uh, with employers looking at the insurance company and say, well, if they're cutting you off, we're cutting you off. That's right. right? Wrong, wrong, yeah. wrong. And Lior's number, he's mentioned a couple of times on his hip, 416-216-5900. And Lior at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up. Talk radio, AM 640. Lior's email, L-I-O-R at employmenthour.com. If you're a, a little bashful to be on the air and his personal number to answer your calls outside of show hours anytime, 416-216-5900. Uh, today, I want to get into uh, termination of employees on disability leave. This could be, uh, or it sounds like it could be a, a sticky situation. What uh, Describe like a common situation. First of all, these situations, John, uh, are quite common. Probably every single, week, uh, every single day, I speak with two or three people that have issues while they're on disability. Either the employer is giving them a hard time or the employer has flat out terminated their employment. So, you know, probably the most common situation happens when uh, the person is on disability leave. They've been on for whatever, anywhere from uh, a week week, a month, or years, or, or a couple of years, and they receive a letter from their employer saying, for business reasons or otherwise, we've decided to terminate your employment. And then th- there's a number of concerns that arise from that for, for the individual. Number one, can they, can they do that? Number two, how does this impact my, my insurance benefits? Number three, what about severance? Because, you know, when I'm going to be better, it's going to be very hard for me to find another job because I've been on disability leave for a while. Who's going to hire me? So, so, you know, these situations are very, very common, and a lot of times employers get this wrong and get into trouble. So what I want to do today is try to, you know, tell people what their, really, what their rights are, what their entitlements are, and tell employers how to do this right and not to get in legal trouble. Is it, is it even legal to do this and terminate somebody on leave? Well, it is legal to terminate an employee on disability leave if you're not terminating because they're on disability leave. So if you're letting someone go because they're on leave and you say, well, we don't want you here because we think you're going to come back and not be able to work at that prime condition, that's not legal. You can't let someone go. But it is legal, in fact, to terminate someone for other reasons. So let's say we've closed down the department that you used to work in, even though you're on disability leave, and we've let go everyone in that department. Well, clearly we're not picking on you because you're on disability leave. So something like that would be legal. Now, oftentimes, of course, an employer or an employee, I should say, is not going to know the reason. But in some cases, it could be it could be very clear. For example. Uh, the company hired a, a replacement for you while you're on disability leave, and now they've terminated your employment. Well, in that case, it's going to be very difficult for the employer to say that the termination had nothing to do with the disability if they're still employing the replacement. Who's able-bodied, right? Who's, who's able-bodied. Right, right. Uh, but 
the termination itself is legal while you're on disability leave as long as the termination has nothing to do with the fact that you took the disability leave. Does the employee on a disability leave, uh, you mentioned earlier, do they get severance even though they're not able to work? Yeah, and, and why is that question even there? Mm-hmm. Here's, here's why. A lot of employers think, well, wait a second, employee, you're on disability leave. We're not paying you right now. You may be getting uh, benefits from an insurance company, but we're not paying you. So if we could say we're going to give you notice of termination, employee, but you're not going to earn any income during that period of time because you're not at work. So we don't have to pay you severance. That is wrong. An employee on disability leave cannot receive notice because they're not at work. So an employee on disability leave, if you're going to terminate their employment, they're entitled to severance. In fact, they're entitled to more severance than an employee on uh, uh, that's able-bodied. Why? Yeah. Because it's going to take them longer to find another job. Ultimately, that's the main question. How long is it going to take someone to find another job? And if you're ill, you're not in prime condition, you may not even be able to look for work for, for a period of time because you're still recovering from whatever your medical condition, means you're going to get more severance than you would. So not only do you get paid, you get paid on the basis, uh, of, first of all, of what your income would be if you were at work. So if you were uh, gone for a year and a half, and a year and a half ago you were making 50000 but right now people holding that job make 60000 you should get paid your severance on the basis of $60,000 a year, not fifty. And also you're going to get more severance because of the fact you're not able-bodied. What if I worked there for 12 years and I've been on disability for three? Is my severance based on 12 or 15? 15, absolutely. And a key question, John, the time that you spend on disability counts towards your service. So if you are uh, been off for a year or two or three, that period does count and, and then you get severance on that basis. So it's not just the time that you worked for, for the company. Uh, and, and a lot of employers get that wrong. They say, well, you worked for us for two years and you've been gone for a year, so you're only a two-year employee. Not true. Does this uh, quite quickly become a human rights issue or can it? Yeah, it, yeah. it does. And, and this is where employers often get in trouble because they terminate uh, when they shouldn't be. Like, like the example that I gave earlier where the replacement is still working and they terminate the person that's on disability leave. At that point, it does look that the termination is based on the fact that the person took the disability and that becomes a human rights issue. It is illegal. It's a violation of the Human Rights Code to terminate someone because they're disabled or to discriminate or treat them differently in any way, shape, or form. Uh, And many employers do that not realizing that that that's an issue, and all of a sudden they're faced with a human rights complaint, which is perfectly legitimate. So don't do that, employers. If, If you have legitimate business reasons that you have to terminate and you can prove those business reasons, well, as long as you're prepared to pay the severance that, that the employee is owed, fine. Otherwise, do not terminate. Of course, there's also this concept of frustration of contract that we'll get to in a minute. How about the uh, the, the one half of the population? Does this also apply for maternity leave? Yeah, and, and maternity leave is, is very uh, different, and here's why. I mean, one of the first things I said here is that you are allowed to terminate an employee on disability leave as long as it's not related to the disability leave. It's different from maternity leave. Why? Because by statute, by operation of statute, uh, an employee on a maternity leave has a right to her job. She has a right to take her job back. So you're not allowed to terminate her except in very extreme situations. And how do employers get this wrong? Employers may think, well, I have a legitimate business reason. I closed down the department. Right. Okay? So, and in nine months from now, this person's coming back. But I know today that I don't have a job for like her. Like the disability case. I right. Closed down the, I yeah. closed down the department. Well, can I terminate? The answer is still no, you cannot. And here's why. The employee has a right to their job. 
They're not going to come back for nine months or seven months or however long. You don't know what's going to happen in those seven months. Maybe between now and then, you do need this employee. Maybe you've reopened the department. Maybe you've reopened three departments, and now you're desperate for people. So you can't decide today that in seven months, when the employee is going to come back to work, you don't have a job for them because they have a right to that job. If in seven months the department is still closed and there's no possibility to hire them, Fine, that's a different situation. But you cannot decide previously, right early, when the person's not yet coming back to work, that you don't have a job for them in the future. That's a human rights violation. Hang on the line, uh, Carlos and others. We'll, uh, we'll get to you after a, a very short break. Talk Radio, AM 640. Lior at com and his personal number, 416-216-5900. You go right to the phones. Uh, thanks for holding on, Carlos, in Toronto. You have a question for Lior? Go ahead. Oh, thanks for taking my call, uh, John. Uh, yeah, Mr. Sanchez, i got to you a couple of quick questions for you regarding uh, CPP, sick benefits. Yeah. My wife, uh, about a year and a half ago, was recently diagnosed with colon cancer, and she's been receiving sick benefits. And the two of us wanted to know whether or not she's entitled to work and collect, uh, like, uh, a certain amount of, like, money. It's only on the... Uh, on, on CPP. So you're not talking about disability benefits through an insurance company. You're talking about CPP benefits. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. Yes. So, so the answer to your question is yes, she can. She, she is allowed to earn a certain amount of income uh, without I- impacting her CPP benefits. Now, off the top of my head, I don't remember the, the, the number, but she is. It's, it's a fairly low threshold. If she goes beyond that, it starts impacting her CPP benefits. Uh, if you want to call me off here, I can easily look that up for you and tell you what that amount is. But yes, the answer is she can work a certain amount of and, and earn a certain amount of uh, money a week and not having uh, impact her CPP. Be different, by the way, with an insurance company. If the insurance company is paying you disability benefits, if you if you if you earn any income, they're going to cut you off or, or reduce it proportionally. Uh, but with CPP, you are allowed to earn a certain amount of income. Now, they, 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 just one more quick, uh, sure. two more quick question. Sorry, guys. Um, the other question will be: uh, How long is she entitled to be uh, collecting the CPP? And my other question would be: If she were to work uh, a nominal uh, like amount of income. Would she be disqualified from CPP? If she if she works a nominal amount, you know, like if she's making like a small amount of uh, of income, would she be disqualified from, from CPP? No, as I said, she she can earn a certain nominal amount, and and CPP could pay her potentially to, uh, to the age of sixty five. Okay, so. Uh, but the, the, in terms of the amount of income that she could earn, I'd have to look that up for you. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I can easily look that up. Give me a call, and I'll, I'll look that up for you after, off air. Again, Carlos, that number, 416-216-5900. Or you can email uh, Lior as well, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Got uh, Mike in Toronto. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hey, how are you doing today, guys? Good, pal. What's up? Uh, got a couple of quick questions. My um, wife and I own a company together, and we're divorcing. So we want to split the assets of the company, and it's mainly cash. I talked to her about splitting it because we don't have a. There's a. a there, there is a company that we formed. Um, and I think there's like an even amount, an even amount of uh, common shares that it is. But when I talked to her about splitting everything up, she said the money that's in the account now is based off her work that she did for the company, so she wants all that money given to her. 
Yeah, I, and and you know, interesting question, Mike. And and oftentimes uh, these issues do arise. What what you do need, actually, by the way, for this is, is not even uh, an employment lawyer, even a business lawyer. You need a family lawyer because there's specific rules uh, in, in in the family law area that deal with this matter and, and division of property. And it does uh, does have to do with who brought the money into the business, who is responsible for that business. So it's not automatically fifty fifty unless you guys agree uh, that it has to be that way. You can agree to whatever you want, but if if you can't agree, the law provides for a certain division, and the law does look as to who brought money in, who was responsible for that income there, uh, and, and and it looks like it looks at also what the income was at the time the relationship started. So there's a whole new calculation that goes into that. So I would well, uh, consult with a family lawyer on that front. How about if he had employees? Would he bounce, would that be bounced back to you? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. And anything that happens with those employees, obviously, yeah, because if someone loses their job or there's any question as to what happens with them, absolutely. But in terms of the valuating of the business, yeah, you need to speak with a family lawyer. Uh, Lior's private number, by the way, keep it with you, 416-216-5900. Talking about uh, termination of employees on disability leave. Um, so how do you terminate the? How do you calculate severance? It's got to be a little bit of a tricky situation. It, it? it is trickier. So, so we do start off with looking at the usual factors, John, which is age, mm-hmm. length of employment, and position. You know, the longer you work, the older you are, the more senior position, the more severance you're owed. But then you got to bump that up. So we, once we do the analysis of age, length of employment, and position, that gives us a certain number of, of months pay that the person's owed. But then if they're on disability, we're going to probably bump that up a good 20%, maybe a bit more, uh, by virtue of the fact that the person is on disability, okay? So, so it's very, very important to do that. It's a bit more of a uh, difficult calculation, and it's going to mean that the employer is going to have to pay more severance than, than, than they otherwise would. You talked, uh, you talked about one of those callers, the difference between CPP and insurance benefits. If uh, the termination, does that impact a person's disability benefits that they're receiving from an insurer? And that's probably one of the top questions that people have. So I'm, I'm receiving disability benefits from an insurance company, right. I don't know, say Manulife, whatever it is, and my employer is terminating my employment. Am I going to stop getting paid? The answer to the, that question is no, you will not. Once you qualify for disability benefits, long-term disability, you can stay on those benefits as long as you're disabled up until the age of 65, even if in the meantime the employer terminates your employment. So uh, it's only a question of are you still disabled? Does the insurance company agree that you're disabled? It has nothing to do with your status as an employee. The only time that the status matters is on the date you became disabled. If you're an employee on the date you became disabled, you can stay on disability until you're, you're no longer disabled or the age of 65, whichever happens first. So uh, you first. could be 18, suffer a catastrophic injury, and you could be there for 65. Absolutely. Wow. And even if the next day, for whatever reason, the employer terminates your employment, the insurance company is still on the hook to pay you till the age of 65. We've got Stephen Calden. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm fine. And you? Good, sir. You got a question for Lior? Actually, it's rather long stand, but I, um, I'm an injured worker and was injured about two and a half decades ago. And at that point in time, I was deemed uh, permanently, partially disabled to the tune of about 30% via the Workers' Compensation Board. I worked for an, a, a union shop, and in about three years ago, I had some collateral damage. It's my lower extremities that were damaged, and uh, it obviously emanated up to my lower lumbar. I've had some procedures on my back. To get to correct or to mask the feeling of it. Um, during that time that I was off for my back, my, my company um, offers group disability insurance for the period of two years unless they deem that you are um, fit for some kind of job. So in late November, I was told that if I didn't 
I didn't meet the requirements for permanent disability or disability benefits anymore, and we only have a two-year program. So they cut my benefits off and uh, basically were threatening to fight. Well, told me I had to show up for work on the 25th of the following month or I would be uh, terminated terminated from employment. Now, I do, like I said, I work for a union shop, and this, it was rather appalling. But what ended up happening is I just went into early retirement to supersede being terminated and losing my benefits until I was 65. My oh, question to yeah. you is, um, when they decided to cut my benefits off, there was a statement made that even though I am under opiates and cannabinoids and the environment I work in is dangerous, that I was able to do certain clerical jobs. And under the act duty to accommodate, this particular employer does have those jobs within their company, but within different departments. They neglected to offer or even attempt to, to position me in those positions okay. so I can continue my career. So, Steve, let, let me kind of uh, give you my thoughts. I understand the situation. First of all, yes, if, if the company is able to accommodate you, then they have to accommodate you. That's not even a question about that. They must accommodate you. The thing is this. If they still refuse or are, are, are not doing it, the, the recourse there is to go through the union because you're a unionized employee. The only one that's allowed really to help you in this situation is the union. And in many cases, when I say that, the response that comes back, well, the union's not doing anything. Even in that situation, really, your only recourse is through the union. You have to push and, and work with the union to do it. They're your representative. They're the only ones that can represent you. That said, if you were, in fact, cut off the disability benefits while you're still disabled, there may be an issue there. We may be able to get you back on that or get you some sort of financial compensation. So on that front, uh, I would actually suggest you give me a call off air so we can talk about that. Because if your doctor is saying you're disabled, the insurance company or the employer doesn't agree, you may still be entitled to compensation. Steve, that number, 416-216-5900. That's to contact Lior directly, Lior at EmploymentHour.com. Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM640. Talking about termination of employees on disability leave. We could bounce, uh, bounce over to Mark, though, in Brampton. Hi, Mark. How are you? Not bad yourself. Good. Now you got a question for Lior? Shoot. Yeah, I'm just a question for Lior. Um, what happened is I work for this company, and most of the time what happened is they tell you, or because I work after the shift, they tell you um, your shift tomorrow will be 630 or your shift is canceled and all right. that stuff. Like, they don't give you enough time. Mm-hmm. And then you ask me, can they do that? So here's the thing. If, if uh, you had worked there for a while, everything was fine. You worked the same shifts all the time. And then all of a sudden, this week, they start saying, well, tomorrow we're changing this shift. And the next day we're canceling. Uh, and, and you're wondering what the heck is going on here, yeah. then I would say that's not legal. That, that could be a constructive dismissal. That They're changing the terms of employment. However, if this is the way they've kind of always done it, so from the beginning they're just unreasonable, they change things without notice, they, they cancel shifts without notice, then it's hard to do something about it now because it's the way it's always been. It now becomes a term of employment that they can just change shifts willy-nilly. So if this is something they just started doing, you may in fact be able to leave employment and get severance as if they've terminated your employment. Uh, but if they've been doing it all along, uh, unfortunately, you're kind of stuck in that situation. How long has it been, Mark? Well, it's been, um, I suppose it's not like right now, it's like every week you have like three days cancel. Right. So how, how long have they been doing this type of thing to you is what Lior's asking. Yeah, like um, over the past three, three, three years, I would oh, yeah, say, yeah, but yeah. it doesn't happen that often like it's happening right now. Yeah, and my, my concern is, my concern, Mark, is if there's a history of canceling shifts, changing, even if it wasn't as regular, ultimately it, it's, it's 
become a term of employment. There's probably not much that you could do about it right now other than, of course, to, to resign. But it would not be a situation where I'd feel comfortable telling you that you can get compensation. Because it's been on and off for three years. Because right? it's been on. Yeah. Once it yeah. started doing it, uh, they started doing it, that he could have done something. But now it's been three years. It's going to be very, very difficult to say. Now it's unacceptable to me. You mentioned frustration of contract as it pertains to termination of employees on disability leave. Uh, when does that occur? Yeah. And then this is, again, another topic. I actually did a, a, a presentation last week about the frustration of contract. Frustration of contract is a situation where the employment, uh, the, the disability leave has been so long, as the employee's been off for so long, and there's really no prognosis or, or prospect, I should say, of them coming back to work, that the employer can say, listen, the, the relationship is just ended. It's not your fault. It's not our fault. But because you've been away so long, we're going to say the relationship has come to an end. The employer can only do that if the employee's been off for a long period of time, usually two years or more. Okay. And, and if the employer has received information that it's it's not likely that the employees are going to come back to work ever or certainly in the near future. If the employers receive both of those things, then the employer can say frustration of contract. And what does that mean? That means that the employer can pay, can let the employee go and only pay them their minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, which for most people is a week per year of service, instead of their full entitlements which are going to be much more. So again, long absence and no prospect of return. That's the only time that the employer can let go because of frustration of contract. And in my experience, John, uh, most employers pull the trigger on a frustration type of a situation way before they should. Like how soon? Like yeah, months? Yeah, months or when there's so the employee's been gone for a while, but they have not yet sought to determine what the prospects for return are. So you've been gone for two years, but maybe you're getting better and you can come back to work in a month. Well, I'm going to say two years, you're gone. Uh, no, that doesn't work that way. If you, if you think it may be a frustration situation, if you're the employer, you have to contact the person and get them to provide you an updated note from a doctor, something that outlines what the prospects from, for return are. And if the doctor says, we don't think this person is going to be able to return in the, new, in the near future, and, and the person's been gone for a long time, that may be a frustration of contract so situation. So that's what they have to do if they plan to do that? They must do that. Okay. Okay. How about uh, does an employer have to continue benefit coverage for employees on disability as well? You know, very good question. The, the short answer is no. An employer does not have to give benefits. You know, I'm talking about the health, uh, dental, etc., those types of benefits, yeah. eyeglasses, while the employees on disability leave, just like an employer does not have to pay an employee on disability leave. So, uh, so normally we'd say, okay, well, that's the end of that. But it's not. Why? Because a lot of employers do. A lot of employers have uh, policies or practices that, that, allow, that make them uh, pay the person or continue the person's benefits. Where that becomes an issue, though, is if you're in the employer and you're continuing benefits for someone on disability leave, and let's say a month, six months, 12 months down the road, you decide, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to cut the person off. At that point, the act of cutting the benefits uh, off could result in a constructive dismissal. It's a breach of contract. By your conduct... You've implemented a new term of employment, which is that I will continue your benefits while you're on the disability leave. I didn't have to, but I did. But once you've done that, if you then take them back, if you cut off the benefits, you can be considered to have terminated the employee and paid them severance, even though that wasn't your intention. So employers, if you're going to continue benefits, fine. But you want to always think about what the impact is of cutting them off down the road. Uh, I know a lot of employers decide not to, to, to have uh, benefits coverage for people on, on a disability leave to avoid those situations exactly. If a person on disability loses their benefit coverage, obviously not getting paid, can they get some through the employment or through the insurance uh 
No, usually they cannot. The insurance company pays them a certain uh, weekly or monthly amount, uh, but they don't give benefit coverage. So they don't pay for your prescriptions, etc., unless you you get that from uh, from the government through some some government program. So no. So it it is certainly important for people to have those benefits, and and I think it's a very good idea. I'm just giving a cautionary note for for employers. If you're going to continue benefits and then cut them off, that's a problem. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up. This is Talk Radio AM 640. We'll tackle a couple more points with the termination of employees on disability leave after we talk to Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hi. How are you? I had uh, an issue with work. Um, I've been there for 26 years. Then I was laid off from a. It was it was from a disability. Said I had arthritis, and um, they harassed me. And it was discrimination, harassment to the point they laid me off. All right. Okay. So I grieved it. I was union and grieved it, and now we're gone into arbitration. And the arbitration is until next year. The law firm and the uh, mediation or mediator was all set up. In the meantime, is there any point in me writing letters to the Ontario Labor Board doing something about this or not? Is this worth my while? Should I do it? No, uh, Bill, there's no point. That There's nothing that can be done. This is a, a legal process, legal legal system that it's very, very, very flawed, and I've said this a hundred times, but there's no other legal process. There's no other legal system. There's nothing that you can do outside of it. The union is the only one, of course, as I've said earlier on the show, that's allowed to represent you, and it does take a long time to get to arbitration. And, 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 you know, not to depress you, but let me tell you what I've seen happen. So you finally, you wait to get to arbitration next year, and the day before something comes up and someone decides to adjourn it because they're not ready or they need more time to look at whatever it is, it, it's a very loosey-goosey type of a process, and it could get adjourned and, and take another year. Now, I'm not suggesting that's what's going to happen, but I've seen it happen, and, and unfortunately, you're stuck. It, it is, believe it or not, much better to be in this situation if you're not part of a union because you're in the driver's seat. You could do something about it. You're not in someone else's hands. In your situation, you have to follow the process. It seems like such a pain sometimes. It is. It's very difficult. And, you know, I mean, honestly, if if Bill was a non-unionized employee, I could have resolved this matter anywhere from two weeks to three months. That's how long it would have taken to resolve his matter, one way or the other, uh, on good terms. Uh, Now he's waiting until God knows when, and it could take forever, and it probably still won't be as good a result. But it is the the system uh, that's available. Talking about uh, termination of employees on disability, what's the best advice uh, you can give employers if they have to terminate an employee that's on disability leave? Two things. First of all, you want to make sure that no one can ever allege that you're letting the person go because of a disability, because they're on disability. You want to have documented uh, reasoning that you can show someone if challenged that, that outlines why you're letting them go. Here's the business reason. Here's what happened. And here's why it has nothing to do with disability. That would avoid a human rights complaint. The second is, remember my point, is you want to offer more severance because you want to have the employee sign off on that severance offer. You're, you don't want to have to worry about this, the person filing a human rights complaint against you down the road. So don't be stingy with your severance. This is the one time you do not want to be stingy. You don't want to save a buck because saving that, trying to save that buck, it costs you a lot more. So you want to offer a generous severance uh, offer to the employee, and you want to be able to show, if challenged, that the reason had nothing to do with disability. So if I receive notice of termination while I'm on disability leave, what do I do? What's my first step? Well, your first step, number one, is to make sure that you, you, uh, you have copies of your contract of employment, copy of the termination letter, and then you give me a call because I want to talk to you and I want to understand exactly why you were let go to the extent that we can, and then I'm going to look at how long I think someone in your situation would take to find another job. And on that basis, I'm going to tell you, here's what you're owed. And then we'll look at what you've been offered. And, uh, you know, 
right or wrong, in my experience, most employees that are on disability leave receive completely inadequate severance packages, even more, more than employees that are not on disability. So very, very important to get legal advice because, again, if, once you sign off on that severance package, it's too late to do anything about it. We, have a bunch of, we had a bunch of colleagues on the show over the past year, people that heard the show and they, thought, they said, my God, I wish I would have talked to you exactly. a month ago, two months ago when I signed off on the severance uh, offer, and by then it was too late. Uh, you mentioned uh, the employment contract. How about uh, things that are in the employment contract we should be aware of? Like, uh, why should people care about the employment contract? Isn't it just standard fare? Yeah, and, and I always get that those questions. You know, let, let me start by saying that to me, the employment contract is one of the most important documents that you're ever going to sign. And think about it. Where do we spend most of our time, John? Work. At work, yeah. right? You spend more time in the office, more time working than you do anything else. It's just a fact of life. And Could be on Facebook, but you should be at work. Right. <laughs> Technically speaking, you're at work. But if you're, if you're, most of your time is spent at work and the employment contract is the document that governs that relationship, that mm-hmm. situation, well, that's a very important document. And the other thing to know is not only is the employment contract going to govern what you can and cannot do while you're working, it may also be with you for a long period of time after you're no longer employed. It may also govern what you can and cannot do once the employment comes to an end. It's an extremely important document. And no, it's, there's no such thing as just a standard document. Uh, all these terms are, are very important, and there's no terms that are universally accepted. So you want to make sure that the terms that in your contract are, are, are helpful to you because bad terms can actually cost you tens of thousands of dollars. Now, if you're like most people, uh, John, if I uh, offered you a job, uh, what would you look at at your contract of employment? I bet you the top things would be what you're going to pay me and how much holiday time I get. Right, exactly. Sure. How, uh, vacation, salary, maybe bonus. You know, those things that are that are all, that are easy to understand. Benefits, maybe. Yeah, you know. exactly. You know, my, 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 are my benefits going to start today or in a month or two? Those things. And, you know, obviously those are important things. I'm never going to say to you that your salary is not important. Of course it's important. Or how much vacation. Of course it's important. But there are other terms that, in my opinion, are even more important. So, so let me kind of outline those for you. Mm-hmm. Number one, uh, and, and to me, this is, believe it or not, the most important thing for an employee to look for in a contract of employment. And that is this. Is there a term in the contract of employment that allows the employer to let you go with minimal severance? Because if there is, that term right there at some point is going to cost you thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on your compensation level. Guaranteed. It's going to cost you. Guaranteed. I don't know if it's going to be two more in a month or in 10 years. 26 years. But it's going to cost you. Guaranteed, guaranteed. So why is that important? Because the law provides for some very good entitlements, very good protections in terms of severance. But the law also says that if you want to agree in the contract to a lot less than that, you can. Fill your boots. Yeah, we're not going to stop you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do just that without realizing it. So you want to pay attention, very, very close attention to that. More of the Employment Hour on the way on Talk Radio, AM 640. Take a couple phone calls here, maybe get to a few more points about uh, contracts of employment. I got uh, Kevin in Toronto. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi, guys. Uh, this hasn't happened to me, but it's a just a quick question. I'm in a union, 20 years, get promoted to management. After one year, let go. Then what? So if, if you're promoted to a manager, manager usually would not be part of a union because, uh, you know, there, there would be a conflict there. So once you're not part of a union and then you're let go, then you can represent yourself or obviously have a lawyer represent you and your full service count. So if it's 20 plus one, it's 21 years of service. And, and the good news is you don't have to live and die by the union now. You can uh, make sure that you get proper legal advice and make sure you get your full entitlements. Okay. Sounds good. Right, great. All right. Appreciate the quick one. We like it.
Nikki in Brampton. Hi, Nikki. Uh, hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, good, thank you. Uh, okay, my question is, I worked for the company for 22 years, and I got a two accidents there, and now I cannot work. I'm on um, disability right now, and they were paying me the benefits for almost two years, and after two years, they changed the human resource manager, and she cut my benefits off since last uh, December. Okay, and, and I yeah. didn't know anything about the law and anything at all, like uh, where I stand with that. So when you're talking about benefits, you're talking about uh, dental benefits and are dental, right, and prescription, it's a medication, yeah, yeah, all that. And, and this past December, now is this a situation where you feel you're, you're you're likely to be able to go back to work at some point, or you don't think there's any chance? I don't think so. No, my doctor's telling me I cannot. Okay, so so I understand because of that. The, the act of cutting off your benefits, okay, could yes. be, and I've said this on the show, a, a constructive dismissal, which means you're entitled to severance, so compensation from your employer. How long have you been with this company? 22 years. 22 years. Uh, were you part of a union? No. Okay. And what, what was your job? What kind of job were you doing? I was the production supervisor. Okay. So someone in your situation, you could be looking easily at 18 months of pay, potentially even more, uh, that you're owed. And by virtue of cutting off your benefits, uh, they had so you had them for almost two years and then they cut them off. As I said, that's not something they're allowed to do. That could be a constructive dismissal. So what I propose is that you give me a call. We can talk about it off air. Uh, depending uh-huh. on the specific situation, it may be that you're owed somewhat less severance, but the fact that you're owed severance is guaranteed. So uh, we need to talk about that uh, off air, and I can certainly help you if needed. Nikki, that number is 416-216-5900. Again, 416-216-5900. I love when we talk about something on the show. Someone calls in, boom, that's exactly what Yeah, and that's about. exactly what we were talking about. And, and that's why we do this show, because these issues are not novel. I don't make this up, I talk about things that interest me. These are relevant things. People deal with these issues every single day. And you just love flying in like Superman. That, that, that too, that too. And yeah. you're wearing tights, which I know most people don't know. <laughs> we were uh, talking about contracts of employment, and uh, what are other important terms to watch out for, other than the one, the, the big one you said, which yeah. is the uh, termination? Uh, you know, uh, so again, the termination, very big one. Let's talk about a couple other ones quickly. Number one. One is, is there anything in the contract that allows the employer to change your job duties unilaterally? Again, something the employer is not allowed to do unless the contract says so. Does, does the employer have a right to change your pay? Does the employer have a right to change your work location? Again, none of these things can an employer do legally unless the contract says that. Does the employer have a right to lay you off temporarily? Again, no right to lay you off temporarily temporarily unless a contract says so. Uh, what about non-competition? What happens if you lose your job? Can you now not work in the industry for two years? That could be a problem because what happens if you lose your job after a week and then you can't work for two years? Uh, Does that mean you're not going to be able to support your family? So you want to look at all these things and a few others uh, because those potentially are going to be much more important than whether your salary is going to be 55000 or 60000 So now you've, you've spotted one of these things, a red flag, so to speak. What do you do? Yeah, well, usually you can negotiate these things. Uh, the, the hard part, in fact, John, is identifying the, those terms because for most people, they're not going to know what to look for, which is why I'm talking about it. Once you've identified uh, those th- these things, you can negotiate. The way I'd approach the employer is yeah, to express your interest and uh, excitement about the job. So I'm very happy to with this job offer. I think I'm going to do a bang-up job. It's going to be great. I just have a couple of concerns I wanted to raise. By doing that, you're not going to lose the job offer. They're not going to take it off the table, so you're not taking any risk. And in most cases, John, in my experience, you're actually able to negotiate these terms, either have them removed or changed. 
but you do need to speak with a lawyer initially because mm-hmm. you want to understand what the problem terms are and number two, what to propose, how, how they should be changed in order to uh, make sure that your interests are protected. So from an employer's perspective, uh, perspective to wrap this up, what, did, what should they do? The most important thing from the employer's perspective is to make sure the contract is signed before the employee starts working. If it's signed after, it's not going to be enforceable. Wow. So you want to, if you're the employer, you do not have people sign, uh, start working until they sign the contract of employment. And always check out severancepaycalculator.com, right? Severancepaycalculator.com. Find out how much severance you're owed. Extremely easy. Very, very helpful. You can go right now. If, even if you just wanted to know what would, what would uh, be in the future you'd be owed, severancepaycalculator.com. If you want to call Lior outside of show hours, please do. 416-216-5900. All your severance concerns and employment, for that matter. And email Lior at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM640.